You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sunday morning on the fan. As a matter of fact, that's our song of the day. What? What's that all about? Eh, check us out on Facebook over there on Radio Legend Bob Salter. You'll find out. Mungo Jerry from back in the summer of 1970. And interestingly enough, that can transition us into the discussion that we're going to have. I'm always pleased when we have guests in studio and we have guests who has joined us in our studio here at WFAN this morning. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. Ed Randall will be by talking baseball after our 9 o'clock update. In studio with us this morning, I'm very pleased to say we have uh, Fred Watts, who is executive director of the Police Athletic League. He's been kind enough to come and join us on our program. We'll be talking about PAL and um, a lot to share in uh, this discussion. Very appropriate for this time of the year, too. Nice to have you join us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Police Athletic League. Um, a lot of people know the name. There are a lot of people who are in our listening audience who they themselves, like me, um, have had the experience of being involved with PAL as kids. But how do you describe what the Police Athletic League is to somebody who, and believe me, there may be people, this might be strange to you, strange concept, there may be people who have no idea what PAL is all about. Well, we're over 100 years old, and we are one of the largest youth development organizations in the city. Um, our goal is to develop youth from the ages of two, really right up to adulthood, in all sorts of activities, be they educational, sports, um, just a general making a better person. And we do that. Um, the special sauce of the Police Athletic League is to do that with the help of law enforcement, specifically the New York City Police Department. Now, you yourself, you're child of a police officer. I am. All right. Um, pal, what did pal mean in your life? Well, growing up, um, I actually uh, was more of a YMCA kid mm -hmm. um, and sort of involved in a lot of activities, both in the Bronx and in Mount Vernon, where I grew up. But, of course, my father was a New York City police officer. And um, growing up, I sort of got to understand both the the danger of the job, as mm -hmm. well as kind of the, at least through the eyes of a child, the excitement of the job. And as I grew older, also the respect that um, police officers uh, take the job to help people and that their sort of special brand of both courage and knowledge of the city could really be of great help to others. And as I've gotten older and now obviously in this position, I can see that police officers can really be a vital um, tool uh, to really uh, help the community and particularly developing young people. 
You know, you think in 2017, you think about the kinds of pressures um, that young people face today. They're different pressures than when you and I were coming along um, and were younger. The idea of having that kind of interaction, I'm going to call it, with law enforcement, how can that, I guess, guide or influence a child? Well, I think of it in two ways. Um, Often we speak of it sort of avoiding the negative. In other words, by interacting with the police, we can um, develop a good relationship and avoid negative things Mm -hmm. in the future. And that is an important part. But I would like to start with the notion of the positive. Um, And often um, we all know growing up we need some kind of guidance, some kind of adult mentoring role model. Hopefully we can get it within our families, Mm -hmm. but also beyond, be they teachers, coaches, um, people in the community. And because the police are such um, a powerful role in the community, the positive side of basically helping children understand, and when I say children, I mean from very young and growing up, um, that if there is trouble or if they need help understanding difficult situations that have evolved in today's society, that the police can be part of the solution to that. So to me, while the police, yes, that relationship is great to avoid negative consequences in the future, I would like to start with the positive consequences of just developing a good mentoring relationship with a community servant and doing so, a person with a special knowledge of how to avoid uh, difficult situations. And what do police officers say that does for them? That's a very important um, uh, aspect of this that that it's important for me to constantly emphasize, and I'm glad you brought it up. The police, you know, they're a very diverse group. They may have grown up in the suburbs or maybe even another part of the country. They come to New York City. They want to serve the community. It's important that they learn about the community and learn about not only what the community's challenges are, but what an individual teenager might feel when they interact with the police. So by being able to develop that relationship, not in a street encounter, but rather in a classroom or in a sports context, it really helps to develop the knowledge of the police officers in um, the community they serve. And that, I think, calls for or creates a better policing environment. Okay, here we are. We're almost in the middle of July. Man, summer's already starting to whip along here. What kinds of programs, activities, PAL involved? We have an array of programs throughout the, throughout the year, and focusing specifically on the, the programs that involve, um, where we really focus on this police uh, relationship, um, we have a program called the Junior Police, actually, where elementary school kids work with police officers throughout the school year. They go on trips to the local precinct. They learn, they learn about community safety. They learn drills and so forth. But what they really, what, at its core, um, they develop a relationship with the leader of their junior police troop. And that's a really important program we do throughout the city. Um, we also have another large program throughout the city is what we call our Cops and Kids Sports Programs. And that's where the younger k- children are coached by police officers in an array of sports, flag football, basketball, softball. Um, 
But as they get older, the police officers become teammates of the uh, teenagers. So throughout the year, various sports, we have really hundreds and hundreds of police officers that are interacting with children in this sports environment. And that creates, again, a really strong uh, bond between the kids and the police officers. And that's something that we've been doing for a long time. We have a very interesting program called the Police Commissioner for a Day Contest. And that is for high school students where they're posed a crime problem. This year was the opioid uh, uh, addiction problem. And they are asked to come up with a criminal justice solution. What, What would they do as police commissioner to address this problem? And we have hundreds of high school students that write these uh, essays, a winner is selected, and then they spend the day at police headquarters, not only the individual winner, but actually we have about 100 different winners that interact again with the police at police headquarters. So this is just a sort of a taste of the kinds of sort of organized programs we do to really try to create a meaningful relationship between community and and the police. There must have been some fascinating responses this year in terms of the essays on that. There really were. And, um, you know, it's fascinating to me because as we get older, we think we've learned a lot. And the winner, (laughs) you know, basically laid out, excuse me, from her perspective, um, how to get to... uh, sort of students her age, and it was really a very insightful and impressive job. Was it, did that involve using social media? Oh, indeed it does, because one of the, um, as we well know, uh, the younger you are, the more likely you're having interactions, not so much face-to-face, but on your phone. And so doing the outreach to the peer group uh, through social media is something that's very important. And how does Pell work with social media? Well, we're actually, what we try to do, I guess there's two aspects to it. The, um, as an organization, we've tried to really do a better job in our outreach to let the community know about our program. So mm-hmm. we're very active on Facebook. We're very active on Twitter. Um, we try to post video of our events. Um, uh, so we've really tried to do that to sort of let the community know what we're doing. We've also tried to use social media to engage the youth. So we have what we called a Radio Rookies uh, program. Actually, maybe we need to get you involved in that. Radio Rookies? Really? (laughs) Where we um, have young people creating small podcasts, and we then promote those podcasts on our website. Hmm. So we've been trying to use social media not only to promote the organization, but also to engage uh, kids. Very interesting. And I would imagine that the kids are fascinated, first of all, by the ability and also their creativity then comes out, too. Absolutely. And, you, you know, um, again, we're not a school. Mm-hmm. We, the, the, the kids come to us after school. Right. But the learning obviously doesn't stop. So what, what our challenge is is to try to continue the enrichment and learning, but do it in a way that's fun. And I think using social media, um, some of these programs, having the um, kids create broadcasts, having the kids create projects is the kind of learning that doesn't feel like school, but the learning continues. So that's something that we've tried hard to do. That's some of the best education there is when it 
is learning and it doesn't feel like school. <laughs> that's correct. But trust me, that, that, that's what really works in many cases. Fred Watts, who's the executive director of the Police Athletic League, is our guest this hour of our program. And we're going to talk more with him, work in, uh, maybe work in some of your thoughts as well. I know there's people who are listening to our discussion who, like me, have been involved with the Powell programs um, through the years. We'll talk more about some of the programs and talk also about ways it is that people who are listening to our discussion today can be supportive of your efforts, talk about things like funding and the like as we continue on our program this Sunday morning. It is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf that follows our 8 o'clock update. Ed Randall is by talking baseball after our 9 o'clock update on the fan this Sunday morning. I'm Bob Solter, Brian Rascona at the controls, uh, giving us technical direction uh, this Sunday morning. We are in discussion with uh, Fred Watts, who's executive director of Police Athletic League, PAL or PAL. And we've got a lot to share in this discussion. A number of things I want to get into, but I also want to mention um, a way for people who are touched by some of the things that you're sharing with us may want to be in contact with the um, Police Athletic League. How do they reach you? What's the best way? The best way is to go on our website, which is palnyc.org, and that will describe our programs, give you contact information, also can direct you to our Facebook and Twitter feed, but palnyc.org is the best place to reach us. There's a lot of information there. There's a lot of things that uh, PAL is involved in, and as part of that, you use volunteers, okay? In, in what ways, what kind of qualities do people who volunteer have? Why do they say they do it? People um, want to give. And in fact, I've learned over the last few years that, um, you know, when I got this job, I thought of fundraising as people wanted, you know, trying to get people to give money. But actually, um, as valuable as money can be, people want, also want to give of themselves. They want to give time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, my understanding and my experience has been younger people um, are particularly interested in touching the children and giving time. So we try to engage um, businesses and corporations to um, sort of rally their employees, as well as obviously individuals, to you know, where they wish to give of their time. Um, to work with kids. Now, obviously, there are a variety of skills that you need to work with children, but the beauty is is that since we do so many different kinds of events, um, we can find a, sort of a role for whatever your skills are. If you're not particularly um, you know, good at one thing, but you might be particularly good at something else, I'm sure that we have an event that where we could use the support. And volunteers help out in... A variety of different ways? Any number of ways. So f just to, for example, um, our after-school programs, we have uh, people that might just help in teaching computing or uh, just simply reading to younger kids or helping a you know professional teacher just manage the classroom, you know, usher kids from one event to another. So it could be anything uh, like that in our sort of organized after-school programs to our sports programs, helping to coach teams is something that um, people have reached out to me about. Uh, and, of course, we have events during the summer in particular. Um, we have a lot of large events, carnival events, sports days, where hundreds of kids may be in a particular facility, and having volunteers help manage those activities is something that's very helpful to us. What kind of, I mean, 
in terms of facilities, what does PAL have at, at, at its disposal? I mean, the city is obviously huge. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different neighborhoods, areas that you're, you're serving. Yes. We have um, currently about 25 centers throughout the five boroughs. But when I say center, um, most of our centers are actually, we are sort of sharing space with a, either a, typically it's a school, sometimes it's a public housing facility where they'll give us a certain amount of space and rooms for us to run our programs. Mm-hmm. So many of our programs throughout the city are that. They're co-located in a school or a NYCHA facility. But we do have seven sites, what we refer to as full-time PAL centers, that um, where we are you know, essentially run the facility and we have programming throughout the day. So we have three of those in Manhattan, one in Brooklyn, two in the Bronx, um, two in Queens. So um, if that, hopefully that number each reaches seven, if I got that right. But um, <laughs> it's a little early this morning. But the point being, most of our centers co-located, but we do have those seven centers that are full-time PAL centers. Play streets. A lot of people have heard about these in the past. What are, what's involved in Play Street? Now, Play Street is really sort of what the PAL program was founded on um, 100 years ago, where police officers essentially cleared out a particular street or vacant lot that wasn't being used in any productive way and um, basically made a kind of an activity center for kids, uh, typically in the summer. Um, it has evolved over the years, um, whereas to now, the concept is pretty similar. We essentially bring the camp to the neighborhood, but where we do it now, we try to focus more on parks, um, again, public housing facility, where there's some open space. We bring staff, we bring equipment. We eventually, as I said, we bring the camp to the community, and we've this year we focused um, particularly on sports, um, and we essentially run a drop-in camp. Um, this year, again, focusing on sports. We've had some great visitors that are coming. We had the New York Liberty come to one of our uh, um, play streets. Um, we're hoping that Joe Girardi is going to come to a play street, I believe, next week. So we're um, very excited about this concept of having the camp in the neighborhood and bringing um, sort of professional staff and outside visitors to really make it a lot of fun for the kids. I would think I know the answer to this, but what's what's the reaction like? What's, what's the impact in, in a community when you have, you know, somebody from the, the Liberty coming to visit or, you know, maybe next week you have Joe Girardi coming to visit? Well, it's really, it's it's obviously, it's, it's, it's very exciting. And um, sort of to keep in mind, you know, um, summer is, you know, is a, a time when, you know, young people often are, you know, they have less to do, especially at that sort of age. You're not quite old enough to work, but you're, you want to organize activity. And to basically have a program, uh, the Play Streets, like all of our programs, are free, um, walking distance from your, you know, home, and then to come and see somebody that maybe you've seen on television or that could inspire you to, you know, work, work towards a particular goal really a valuable experience for the kids and really for all of us. And actually, it gets into something I was thinking about as we started this program. I was thinking about this actually on my way to the city this morning. At the heart of, and I think back a thousand years ago when I was in Pal. Actually, it was a thousand one years, Brian. It was that <laughs> long ago. Okay. Um, and thinking at that time what that really meant. It meant 
also being a part of something. It wasn't this sense of isolation. It wasn't this sense of, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I might go the wrong way or get involved in the wrong sort of things. It was a certain focus, a place to go. And I made friends. That's the other benefit of this. Absolutely. I mean, I do think you you touch a very good point. I mean, as a father and um, as a member of this organization, you see that for children, belonging and being a part of something is very important. It's important for us as adults. We want to be a part of maybe the alumni network of our school or our families or our neighborhoods, whatever. And certainly it's a powerful message for kids. So in a, you know, a, diff- a complex world that we live in, the idea that in my neighborhood there's a police athletic league center and you get a t-shirt and there's another kids that are kind of live near me and we sort of engage in similar activities and we're guided by you know professionals teachers and youth development professionals and the local police officers it is really a very powerful um, ingredient um, for communities and for individual kids it's a it's, you, you raise a very good point Okay, and you said something very key, and usually I allude to this anytime we have people on who are from the running community. As you said, you get a (laughs) T-shirt. Man, is that powerful. That is huge, (laughs) the idea of getting that T-shirt, because it's like you get the T-shirt, you put the T-shirt on, and you never want to take it off. (laughs) Well, it's um, it's it's always cool to get uh, what do they call it swag these right. days, um, but uh, but it really does touch on what you pointed out. It's that sense of belonging. I'm part of a group, and that group is identified in this way. Um, and it's just always nice to get free stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good for a few different reasons. The summer day camps. Mm-hmm. What's involved with those now? So we have our play streets, which is more of a drop-in program. Mm -hmm. Our summer day camps are um, a more typical day camp. So at those centers that I described, be they worked out of a school or out of our full-time centers, we have a full-time summer camp. Kids come early in the morning. I believe we actually give them breakfast uh, and lunch. um, And they engage in activities throughout the day. They could, we try to get them out of the centers so to go on trips the trips could be a local park or maybe even uh, something further Uh, um, but we basically take them through a more traditional uh, camp uh, experience arts and crafts sports Um, we also have tried to in a kind of a subtle way um, address uh, through our education program what's um, to try to keep what they've learned throughout the school year kind of with them in the summer. So we have kind of some support services to prevent what is referred to as summer learning loss. Um, so we do try to have people sort of a, a light touch of academic work as well. But the whole point is to kind of have fun, have something to, good to do in the summer, and have something nourishing as well. Now you want to promote it in a fashion where, yes, you're learning, but you're also primarily there to have fun. Absolutely. Can't, summer is, a, I mean, I... I you know, I vividly remember going to summer camp and um, and the idea, and my parents always promoted this, is you're supposed to be outside and have fun as much as possible. And, and that's what we try to do with our camps as well. Okay. Now, this gets into an interesting area. I 
want to touch upon because there's something we hear an awful lot about kids today. I want to touch upon this in just a moment. Let me mention the fact that um, for folks who are listening to us, maybe you're a PAL alumnus, um, you want to join us in our discussion, feel free, 877-337-6666, our number here at The Fan. We're talking with Fred Watts, who's Executive Director of Police Athletic League, palnyc.org, the uh, website, if you want to get information on uh, volunteering, get information on some of the programs, perhaps be uh, helpful in some way to the efforts of PAL. Very often we hear talked about this idea that kids don't go outside. They don't spend all day and night like I did riding a bicycle. Okay. Um, how does the work of PAL help, I guess, make sure that they get out and get some exercise and movement? Well, I think one of the keys, we, we, I think first step is to get kids off their phones. So um, <laughs> Good luck with that. Huh? Yeah, right. so it's, it's hard. But um, so there is a focus on, you know, because at a very young age, uh, kids have phones. Mm-hmm. And so they need to put them away. Uh, and it's obviously we're adamant about our staff having their phones away so that we are having <laughs> interpersonal engagement. So that's step one. Um, but we really do have an organized, in the after-school program and in the summer, kind of a curriculum, an approach um, that really tries to get people up and moving. Now, obviously, we're in the city, so we, we, we don't, we're not always kind of in a, in a, in a large field. But summer trips, uh, actually trips throughout the year, whether it's to bowling or to a museum or to a local park, to just be up, moving, see a new uh, experience a new place, um, move around. Um, we have organized recreational activities with you know a curriculum associated with that. Um, we very much promote competitive sports as well. We've created internal leagues where you know team from Brooklyn plays team from Queens, mm. which is always a very um, mm. exciting for the kids. And um, we basically built into our programming is this notion that we are here to interact with each other, to be up, moving, um, and and compete. You know, um, we're kids like that. So it is really a key part. And um, we have also tried to sort of incorporate, to the extent that we can, sort of a nutrition wellness approach. So we are sort of pretty adamant about what foods the kids can have while in the centers, and um, we really try to promote a kind of a healthy lifestyle. Fred Watts, who's executive director of Police Athletic League, talking with us on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. Oh, I enjoy listening to them, too. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're in discussion on our program with Fred Watts, who's executive director of Police Athletic League, palnyc.org, the website. If you wanted more information on some of the things we're talking about and some of the work of the Police Athletic League, I said we'll also try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks who are listening to us. WFAN's toll-free line, 877-337-6666. It is brought to you by Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, Pocono, and Resorts Atlantic City. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. Ed Randall comes by after our 9 o'clock update, talking baseball here on The Fan. If you're a PAL alumnus, 
or perhaps you were touched by some of the things that Fred has shared with us in our discussion, jump in the discussion with us this morning, 877-337-6666. Let's go to the phones. Um, We're going over to West Orange, New Jersey, to Joanne, who's been holding for a while. Joanne, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Good morning. I understand you I am a PAL alumnus. Um, Yeah, I'm in my late 60s now, and I was a member of PAL when I was in my early teens. I loved track and field. My dad had been a runner, and this was before Title IX, so there were not a lot of opportunities, none that we knew of, for me to really exercise that love of track and field. And then we discovered um, PAL at the 103rd Precinct, which is the precinct where I lived in Queens, and they had a team. Uh, We didn't have T-shirts, unfortunately, but we did have a girls' relay team that ran what was then the 440 Relay, and we were very successful. We were uh, Queens champs for three years. We went to the citywide um, championships, and it was always something to look forward to each season. We had practice after school, so I would you know rush home from school and get into my track stuff and run over to the field so we could practice. We had volunteer coaches. Uh, my dad was a volunteer coach, and I just wanted to say thank you because it was a way for me to do something I loved and the only way that I could do it. I mean, that's a terrific story, and it it highlights um, what we're trying to do now. Obviously, with Title IX, there are more opportunities for competition, but still in a large public school system, not everybody gets the opportunity to compete and be part of a team. So what Joanne's story points out is that that need and how valuable that was to her, we're trying to continue to provide that today. So it's great to hear that story because... We're trying to create that experience for kids today. And even as a side note, I went to a private school, so there were even less opportunities um, at that level because they could provide you the education. But, you know, in terms of what they would call frills, and that was a frill, that wasn't going to happen. So it made it even more valuable for me. We've also seen that, um, although with Title IX, obviously sports in, uh, for girls and women has exploded, there still are challenges, and um, we often have we have had programs that were co-ed, and they kind of crowded the girls out. So we have really tried hard to have programs like track and field, volleyball, uh, and, and our other sports as well, but where the girls can compete and participate um, among themselves, because I think it's really a valuable learning experience and just just a fun experience for. Uh, kids. So your story is a great story, and it, and it's needed today, just like it was uh, when you were growing up. Great, thank you. Joanne, thank you. Thank you for your call this morning. Although I'm uh, s- sorry to hear this, you didn't didn't get they didn't have t-shirts. Then. <laughs> Come on, that was that was a huge thing. I'm th- I'm still thinking back on the t-shirts. Then. Oh man, that's just what that meant. Mm. Oh, wow. Now, I've got to ask you about something that we have not talked about thus far in our discussion. A nonprofit organization, especially one in New York City, in 2017. Funding, fundraising. What's that like? Um, it's a uh, everyday task. Um, <laughs> we get funds from. We are fortunate that we get supported by a variety of uh, from a variety of sources. Um, the city of New York. Uh, does support some of our programs um, quite generously, and that's helpful. So we do use government funding, um, but the government funding is not enough to create um, all of the programs that we want. So we uh, solicit funds from individuals, from corporations, 
um, foundations. Um, we go wherever we feel we can sort of interest people in our mission and support us. So it is a constant, um, uh, but I must say it's also, it, while it can be frustrating, it also can be very gratifying to see that people will give, will go into their pockets and give of themselves to help somebody else. And that's a very rewarding and gratifying um, experience. And we, I have found that people are very generous. So while you have to struggle, um, there are good people out there that really want to support kids. And that's really been very gratifying. And people who are touched want to be supportive, the best way for them to do that? Um, the best way to do it is to go on our website. You can do anything from make a direct donation. You can volunteer. You could uh, perhaps participate in one of our uh, special events. We have various fundraising events. Um, we have a 5K that we do at the end of the uh, year that you can, you'll can you see more about that on our website. So there are a variety of ways to, in, in some fun way, to support uh, support PAL. Very good. Let's go back to the phone. 877-337-6666 is our phone number. And along after our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf with the Sports Edge program. Marty in the Bronx has called in. Marty, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Yeah, good morning. I, I heard this. I had to call in. I grew up on 151st Street in the Bronx. I still live in the neighborhood. But we had Play Street. We loved it. Uh, we'd play all day till 9 o'clock at night when we took down the police barricade. It gave us a sense of ownership. This was our block. It was a great sense of safety. I grew up in the 70s, and the, the neighborhood was getting a little crazy then. Uh, I always have to tell this story. They took us swimming. We'd go local, St. Mary's Pool, but we also this was genius. We'd go swimming in Staten Island. We're in the Bronx. We'd take the subway, take the ferry, walk to St. George's Pool, and then do the same thing all over again. But we loved it, and we got a boat ride, a train ride, saw the Statue of Liberty, and again, a sense this was our city. It was safe. We learned how to ride the trains. Get you know, street smart is knocked down sometimes, but street smart just teaches you how to navigate the world. And uh, we owe a great debt of gratitude to Play Street. I still have friends who we grew up together on that block. And I just want to thank PAL. And I, was, I try to send in my donation every year. Well, we appreciate Marty your donation, and 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 that story is great. And it does focus on something that I, I should. Um, when we talked about getting up and going out, uh, having the kids moving, your experience is something that we try to do. This this notion, I mean, I remember as a child, uh, I grew up in the Bronx and in Mount Vernon, my parents on a hot night would just drive us down to the Staten Island Ferry. We would right. just take a ride over. And and that's, you know, that's, it's 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 genius. And, yeah. and we try to do that with the kids. We have a big uh, event coming up in um, end of July in Staten Island, and we're going to do exactly what you described. We're going to bring the kids out and have a carnival in Staten Island. And those kids may have never been to Staten Island. They'll be in a big park. They'll get an experience. They'll be up and out. Um, what you described is, um, you know, what I say is that, you know, the simple, the fundamentals, you know, sort of carry. And the, and right. the things that you experienced, um, we're, we're carrying today. And it's great to hear that it, they worked for you. And I hope they're working for the kids today. Yeah, thanks, P.A.O. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you for your call this morning and comments to Marty. All right. You just mentioned something which is very key. In some cases, kids have never left their borough, which still always is an amazing thing to me. What Pell does, in a way, is helping them learn how to adjust to the world. 
Yes. I mean, there are, as we know, New York City is a, uh, there are many, many people that live here, millions of people. And yet um, our environments are often very close. Um, we're used to our neighborhood, our school, our blocks. Um, we do try to open people up. Starting with the city is a great way to start. Um, but we actually try to even go beyond that. We've, we've um, with our teen programs, we try to get the kids out of the city. Um, uh, we have uh, organized college trips so that the kids both just kind of encourage the notion of achievement in college, but also to see another part of the uh, country um, and see different, the way different, um, just different aspects of, of, of life beyond New York City. So we do try to get people beyond their borough and beyond their neighborhoods and maybe even beyond the city as both a learning experience um, and just a way to kind of aspire to do something, um, to do diverse things, different things. All right. I have to ask the question because it's one usually we touch upon with anybody who's in a position like yours with a nonprofit organization in this day and age. What's on your wish list? Oh, well, I've got a long wish list. Um, Somehow I'm not surprised that you didn't say, oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Well, I'll pick up on the the um, the uh, the college readiness program. We one of the experiences seen in some of the studies that have been done is that the graduation rate in the, the, uh, of, from uh, public high schools and the preparedness to go to college, especially for kids of color, has been disappointing. And we have a s small program, highly successful program, that encourages kids to graduate from high school. We have a very high graduation rate, over 90%, and those kids all go to college. I would love to expand that program, get kids to see um, colleges both in the city, beyond the city, be prepared to go to college. So that's sort of one thing that comes immediately to mind is if we could expand some of our teen programming so that kids as they come of age are prepared to, um, to further their education. That would, and that obviously just ta that takes resources, it takes space, it takes teachers, it takes money. Um, if we could do that throughout the city, we do it now in two boroughs, which is great, and those kids get a great experience. If we could expand that, that would be one of the things high on my wish list. What two boroughs are you doing? We then? are in Queens and in the Bronx right now. <clears throat> we actually have a great relationship with Fordham University where they um, uh, sort of help us to uh, through some of their programs um, sort of get the kids ready for sort of they bolster their um, experience in high school and give them a sense of what it would be like to go to college. Um, it's been an inspiring experience for those kids that sort of meet the students. Uh, they're mentored by students and, and um, staff at Fordham. Uh, really wonderful experience for our kids, and it would be great if rather than to serve, we probably serve about 100 kids in that program now if we could serve many, many more. Mm. That'd be something that'd be wonderful to be able to have that in all the boroughs. Absolutely. And to have the involvement of, you know, this rich bounty, basically, of schools. Absolutely. Um, you know, because you think of all the different schools that there are in, in the city uh, and having them involved in that and what that kind of diversity could Add Absolutely. to what you're able to do. You've touched on another thing on my wish list, which is the, as you point out, with the CUNY system and so many schools in New York City, 
um, we are slowly creating relationships with those schools so that the students of our local colleges could serve in our centers as uh, teachers and uh, basically to support our educational programs, making that connection. And especially in New York City, where often if you go to, for example, Queens College, you're often from Queens, not always, obviously, but so a kid in a Queens program could see a neighborhood kid who's going to the local college. And I think that that experience um, for both parties actually would be very valuable. Hmm. It does sound like a very rewarding idea. Fred Watts, who's executive director of Police Athletic League, PAL, is our guest this hour of our program on the fan. PALNYC.org, the uh, website. Now, folks who have just joined us in our discussion, we talked earlier about this idea of volunteers. Um, What can you use? What kind of qualifications do people need if they want to volunteer? Um, What people really need is a little time and to be able and care about kids. That's really all you need. Now, obviously, we do a vetting process to make sure that a person is appropriate to work with children. I mean, we'll take it from there. Um, But in terms of your interest, um, you don't have to have any specific skill. You simply have to want to support um, kids in some way. Now, let's just say, for example, you don't really like interacting with kids, but you're really good with your hands. Well, then maybe you could help us put together um, some of the, uh, uh, you know, physical uh, uh, supports that we need for some of our programs. So it seems to me that if you want to help uh, kids growing up in the city and you have any interest in doing that, we can find a way to use your skills to help those kids. Very interesting discussion. Certainly good luck continued with um, your efforts and with your work. It sounds like very rewarding work as well. I thank you for coming in and sharing this information with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. You certainly touched um, a lot of people and um, for some of us brought back some memories too uh, throughout the years. Because I'm still, see, I'm still focused on that shirt. (laughs) Now, I can't get this off my mind. Literally, this is in the center of my focus here. PalNYC.org, the website. Go there. Be helpful. Be supportive of the efforts of Police Athletic League, please. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. After our 9 o'clock update, well, as they say, the fortunes, eh, eh, they kind of turn a bit and change. In other words, that means Ed Randall will be uh, he'll be talking baseball here on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.